about eight or nine years ago, I was in the parking lot of the First United Methodist Church of Starkville, and I saw a decal on the back of a truck. This is the first time I'd seen this particular decal, and I've seen it a number of times over the years, and my guess is probably most all of you have seen it at least once or twice. But it said, Salt Life. And immediately I thought, huh, I wonder if that has a connection to Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus says, disciples are, you are the salt of the earth. Of course, it was a, church, a truck in a church parking lot. You know, why else would I, I not think that? Well, later on, I kind of looked into it a little bit, and I saw that it maybe had something to do with apparel for the beach or whatever. But that phrase came to my mind this week, and so I looked it up, and I found this uh, very telling quote on the website. This is saltlife.com. It says, whether they spend their time fishing diving, surfing, or just relaxing at the beach, those who live and breathe the salt life have one thing in common, their passion for the ocean. We have assembled a dynamic team of some of the best fishing, diving, and surfing pros in the nation, as well as musicians who live the salt life. Team Salt Life lives and breathes the salty lifestyle every day and wants to share their experiences with you to help inspire your next aquatic adventure. And I think Paul would maybe agree with this spin on that. I wonder if the salt life or whatever, whatever other salt substitute we might come up to come up with is no substitute for the saint life. And Paul, you see, I think lived and breathed and died for the saint life. Now, there's a lot of places in Scripture that we could go to to, to um, make a connection to the saints and understand a little bit about it. But I think... Paul's letter to the Corinthians are actually a really great place to go and find out about that. So Corinth is an interesting church, right? But the very first thing that we learn about the Corinthians from Paul in his letter are these amazing words. Verse 2 and 3, it says, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these were a pe- this was a group of people that a lot of times had some very unsaintly ways. They were divided and in conflict oftentimes. Uh, apparently, there were some people there that had a really bad relationship with Paul, and there was a lot of... Um, uh, moral compromise, it seemed, in that church. And then there were people that sort of had this um, sort of status and elitist type of mentality where they either looked down on others or they, they sort of exalted themselves over others based on some worldly standards rather than the standards of Christ. And yet, even though that was the case, Paul said that this was a church of God, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. They had a new status because they had turned to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And through that act of faith and commitment, God had laid claim to them. God had, had given them a new status. And yet, it was more than simply something that was to remain static and them to just rest content in the fact that God had laid claim to them. God had cl- laid claim to them for a purpose. And that was always through His grace and through the power of the Holy Spirit to make them like Christ. That God maybe took them where they were, but he was never content to leave them where, where they were. And that's why Paul was so passionate about his concerns for them. You see, just as the salt life people were living and breathing the salt life, 
and they were passionate about it, and they wanted to share their experiences with others. Paul went around the Roman world because he was passionate about the saint life, about what God had done in Jesus Christ and what he could do in his people. He wanted people to experience, to live and breathe the saint life. And so I would share with you two things this morning. When we look at this, these last few verses of 2 Corinthians, particularly the last verse, I think Paul speaks to us about experiencing the saint life and then as a result, expressing the saint life. You see, first and foremost, the saint life is not about who we are and not about what we do. It's about who God is and about what God is doing in our lives. And this God that we are called to experience that is the foundation of the saint life is the Trinity. Who does Paul speak of? Who does Paul pray to? And who is Paul hoping will work and continue to work in the lives of these who are already saints in Corinth? Right here, the Lord Jesus Christ. God implied God the Father and the Holy Spirit. We can encounter this God who is mysteriously one God in three persons. And we encounter this, this God, this triune God, first when we hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And we realize that this Jesus is the Son of God who's been sent to us. And then as we come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God does a miracle. He actually shares his very presence with us through the Holy Spirit. We encounter this God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the face of Jesus is the primary way that we do that. And as we do, we experience three amazing gifts. He speaks of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the free gift of God. You see, Paul makes it very clear that we cannot stand in God's presence. You go back through First and Second Corinthians, on our own, we stand outside of God's presence. But I love that beautiful word, and this is, that, this is how Paul gets concrete about the grace of Jesus Christ. He says that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God through him. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, became flesh, and he lived completely without sin. That's why he says he knew no sin, and yet, miraculously and mysteriously, he chose to become sin for us on the cross so that when he dies and then he is raised from the dead and we believe on him, we become the righteousness of God through him. That's the grace of our God. And, and the motivation behind it was that the God of love, the God the Father, sent his son for us so that we could experience this. And that as we encounter Jesus at the cross and in the power of his resurrection, we are given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit begins to make us new. The claim of God to, to make us his saints becomes real in our hearts, and he takes us on a journey. And we're intended to grow through the power of the Holy Spirit in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in those of us who believe to make us to be what God expects. And so that's why I think Paul had such a strong message for them, because he knew what God had already started in them, and he knew what was possible through not only the, the shed blood of Jesus, but the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so ultimately then, not only do we need to experience the saint life as ultimately a new relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but then as God works in our lives, we are to express the saint life. If you look at those several verses before the last verse, he says, Finally, brothers, rejoice. 
Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. We are called to go about a journey of being a people who reflect the love we have received from God with one another. And this was a church that was in a mess. There was a lot of division, a lot of pride, a lot of disunity. And it didn't glorify the God who had made them one in Christ. And yet, Paul is praying for them. The same grace, the same love, the same fellowship you've already experienced, I'm praying that you receive it and experience it more and more so that you can then express that in the way you live with one another. And friends, the world I'm seeing out there doesn't need more salt life. It needs more saint life. And so I hope that today, as we come to this table, our prayer is that we're praying for ourselves and we're praying for each other the very same things that Paul was praying there right at the last verse. And this is a prayer, by the way. And he's expecting it, as you see so many times in Paul's letters, that God's going to answer his prayer. He's praying the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I think it's interesting that Paul speaks lastly of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 10, Paul spoke of using some of that same language about the experience of the Lord's table, of Holy Communion. And listen to what he had to say about that as he talked about what it means to come to this table. In verse 16 of chapter 10, he says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? More literally, a fellowship in the blood of Christ or a communion in the blood of Christ? Hear that connection? Fellowship of the Holy Spirit, fellowship in the, in the blood of Christ. And then he goes on and says, The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? or a fellowship in the body of Christ broken for us, a communion in the body of Christ broken for us. You see, we get to come here, and God nourishes us in saint life, and then he nourishes us for saint life, because it's through Holy Communion that we can encounter the blood of Christ shed for us, the body of Christ broken for us, and the power of the Holy Spirit, so that becomes real in our hearts. Maybe for some of us the first time today, for a lot of us for the 10,000th time, hopefully. But we come and we are expecting God to do great things. We come praying today for ourselves and for one another. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Friends, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and who seek to live in peace with one another. Let's pray to our Father. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity where we can encounter the grace of your Son, encounter the love of you that sent him, and encounter the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We remember that on the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread. He gave thanks to you. He broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body given for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. And we remember how when the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you. Gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. 
This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So, Father, we pray that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast with him at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. And all God's children said, Amen.